Hello, and welcome to RD and the Inbetweens. I'm your host, Kelly Priest, and every fortnight I talk to a different guest about researchers, development, and everything in between. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of RD and the Inbetweens. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to my colleague, Dr. Kay Guccione. Kay, I've known for a few years because of her expertise and amazing work in mentoring and coaching for researchers. So I wanted to invite Kay on the podcast to talk about why it's important to have a mentor, what the benefits are, but also about how she sets up mentoring schemes for researchers. So Kay, happy to introduce yourself. My name is Kay Guccione. Um, I work at Glasgow Caledonian University and I work in academic development. Um, I lead on things like professional recognition through HEA accreditation, but also on mentoring and community building for our staff who teach. So the reason we wanted to chat today was about the kind of the mentoring and coaching aspect of the work that you do. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how, how you became interested in this area because you've done a huge amount of work in it yeah I can do you know I never had a mentor until really recently um or really anybody who's played a role anything in my development like mentoring as, as we understand it now as a, a professional practice and really my undergrad and PhD looking back I could really have made use of that kind of thing because as a person who likes to sound things out makes up my mind by doing that sort of you know talking it through seeing what comes out and then making sense of that um I, I could have used that that kind of uh, development myself but my first encounter with mentoring was when I moved out of postdoc and I was a science postdoc and I moved into being a postdoc developer, so research developer. And one of the projects on the long list of things to do for postdocs just said, you know, a mentoring program. Um, as, as the Concordat did in that days, you know, it just, it, it said postdocs should have some mentoring. So it was a really blank canvas open to uh, whatever we made of it really. I didn't know anything about mentoring. I never experienced it firsthand. So I popped over to Sheffield Hallam University uh, to meet Paul Stokes in the mentoring and coaching research unit down there and to get the support of that team really um, in terms of you know what, what's a program, what does it look like, what's happening, what's mentoring, what the mentor is supposed to do. So very naive, I just went along and, and asked some experts. Um, I suppose that's a particular skill of mine, go and ask someone who knows. Um, And we started the programme and it immediately became my favourite piece of work. You can see the transformation happening in mentoring. It's really rich learning and it's personalised to each individual mentee that comes in. And because it's contextualised, as it helps them do the things that they want to do, it has really immediate impact and people were you know raving about it about the quality of the conversations that they were having with their mentors and what it was enabling them to do and it became just a dream to work on so over time that program grew it became massive it went to institutional level and then spun off into smaller programs like uh, thesis mentoring and then mentoring for researchers who want to get careers outside the academy and then from that into a suite of new programs supporting people across the University of Sheffield. Um, Alongside that, I'd done a master's. uh, It was a master's in education with a coaching and mentoring specialism through the University of Derby. So kind of having bagged all the experience at programme development level and then all the training that underpins it, 
I was able to make a case um, really during a team restructure that there should be a role dedicated to mentoring, coaching and communities. Um, and I did that role at Sheffield from 2012 to 2019. And then when I moved to GCU in 2019, that sort of work again became a large part of my role because it works, you know, because it's something we can put into place. It's something that's personalized and we see the results within six months of what's going on. So that's fabulous. You know, you said just there, you know, you, how much you enjoy that work and how quickly you see the impact and the benefits. I mean, making that case for a dedicated role to look at mentoring and coaching is not it's not an easy thing um, within kind of higher education. But could you talk a little bit about some of the, the impact and benefits that you see? Yeah, and I think the thing... The thing was that helped me making that case for the role is that uh, mentoring isn't the way I see it is mentoring isn't a project, you know, it has very limited reach if it's seen as something that is a project, you know, alongside we do this kind of training course and that kind of network and this kind of mentoring program. If you see mentoring as something systemic, you know, and you think in systems of mentoring, so we've got the senior academics mentoring the junior academics, they're mentoring the postdocs, postdocs are mentoring the PGRs. PGRs are peer mentoring with each other, you know, and it's, if you see it as something that cascades out and understand the difference that can be made if everybody has this skill set and everyone can apply that skill set not just to a mentoring program but you know in small group teaching you can use these skills as someone's line manager you can use these skills as a phd supervisor you can use these skills so once i became to see it as um as systems of work it was much easier to show what impact it would have at that organizational level um, but in terms of the individuals on it that's where it starts you know the impact on those persons so i guess at its most basic level mentoring is a confidential space where someone can sit down think out loud check things out um, and just find out how stuff works so even at that basic one-to-one -one level there's probably something in it for everyone because the questions that you have and the things you want to talk about are personal to you coming into that mentoring program um, the mentors there, you know, they help you make some time and some space to actually sit down and think about yourself for a change, think about where you're going. Uh, we don't often get to do that. That's a real privilege. And I think the quality of the plans we put into action are probably represented by the quality of the thinking that went into them. So being able to find our fit and find our way forward is something that's a key mm -hmm. impact of those mentoring kind of conversations. You know, if it depends what people are looking for, it's a chance to be heard and really listened to. That's not very common in pressured competitive environments, particularly suited to to the research environment. I think to to make that space to be heard and be listened to. Um, and you know, if we understand how something works, the game of academia, what the rules are, how to navigate it, we're then building confidence to try things out, and building confidence in ourselves as researchers and as people who have something to contribute. Um, if you're the kind of person who wants a bit of a push or some accountability to say get your papers written a mentor can help with that if you're someone who needs you know is it a time where they need a bit of support and a sympathetic ear mentors can offer that um if it's just a you know case of what next i don't know what the options are and where to go mentors can offer that as well so it's, it's whatever you bring to it that's what you work on um and i think if people see it really as 
an arena for doing a piece of planning rather than for solving a problem particularly you can start to see how it fits into into everyday work and everyday life um, we've all got things on the horizon we need to think about let's do that thinking in a systematic way with someone who wants to help us and I think it gives us that time to do what you know we we don't have time to do um so often in higher education which is to take a step back and, and reflect and plan and I know in in my role of, as a research developer which obviously you know you've done that as well and and now as a senior lecturer working in academic development you know the the time and the facility for that just feels like it's dwindling as kind of academic workloads and uh, expectations and outputs and everything kind of grows but actually it's those conversations like you're talking about those plan that planning that time for reflection for strategic thinking about what comes next that's actually going to help us to do the productive aspect of it yeah absolutely and i think it's there's a very famous cartoon where there's um a sort of a, a cave dwelling person pushing a cart with square wheels and there's the, the developer there offering them round wheels and they say you know i haven't got time for this i'm too busy and you think you know this would really help with what you're trying to achieve and i think absolutely we cannot deny that workloads have rocketed there's not enough staff in universities everybody's doing at least a job and a half right now um, and I think as somebody who designs programs and designs mentoring conversations, even just having the the chance to go and meet a mentor is being pushed out. Um, so it's a case of saying, you know, how else can we get these conversations into things? How can we make them part of peer observations or peer review? How can we make them part of team meetings or annual appraisal systems? And how can we we get these the quality of conversation? enhanced to things people are obliged to do even if they can't find time to to sort of um you know sit down for that hour what can be done and trying to, to find ways to fit it in as the podcast is for postgraduate and early career researchers i wonder if you could say something about maybe the the benefits of engaging in mentoring and coaching at that stage of your career but also why it's something that they should make the time for because they're not necessarily part of those kind of line management type structures yeah you know and to, to a certain extent i think it is about readiness because mentoring is a piece of work that researchers do you know it's not it's not a magic fix it's not a case of going off to meet somebody and then receiving the answers it is a piece of uh, self-evaluation it it requires you to um be open uh, and be honest with yourself at least about where it is you want to go and, and where you're at right now so I would say firstly um, if people really believe it's not for them and don't want to that's absolutely fine because it does require a certain amount of energy and input from the researcher but if you are ready for that and you're thinking you know who do I choose and how I'm happy to pass on a whole resource that I've got um, about how, how to consider that I'll make sure you know that that gets that's passed over and linked but the main things to think about are who do you who do you want to work with who would you like to speak to and the people who you might identify as being really appropriate mentors people with big cvs lots of publications you know big research teams actually are they the best mentors you know <laughs> we're looking mentoring as i said is a specific skill set it's an education-based skill set it's an interpersonal skill set so look around for the person who 
um, everybody thinks he's a good, you know, a good supporter. Look at their their PhD students, their postdocs, look at their research teams, and you can ask, you know, are they a good person to speak to? Um, and then when you approach a mentor, I would say it's good to tell them who you are, what you might be aiming for, what you might want from them, where you're aiming to go, perhaps, and then what you've seen about them that you think you could benefit from. And I think if we start off together on this understanding that mentoring is a piece of work that the mentee does, the mentor is the supporter for that. And in order to support, they've got to have these, these great skills. We're probably in the right mindset for understanding if mentoring is for us right now. And um, if you are thinking about trying it out, but you're hesitating a bit, well, I mean, just give it a go. What's what what could happen? You know, you might think, actually, I've picked the wrong person. Never mind. Let's just say thanks and move on. Or I don't really see what I've got out of that that I couldn't have done on my own. Perfectly fine. Some people like to work, you know, in as as an individual on paper in their heads. That's fine. It's a skill set, and you can self coach and self mentor once you know these kind of self analysis tools and ways of thinking. You can ask yourself coaching questions as well. If there's nobody available to you around, you could get together with peers, talk to a friend, have a little co coaching session. You know, there's there's always some way to do the kind of reflection that I'm talking about. So start small, build up, decide if you like it. If you don't, no worries. In the all of the sort of the schemes that you've run, and I, I know at Sheffield that the the volume of them kind of in the end was huge. Are there kind of really tangible benefits that you saw from people going through that scheme in terms of kind of how they move forward with their careers or research completion publication, that, that sort of thing? Yeah, I would say when you're evaluating mentoring, you want to look first at the experience people have because that will give you um, that will give you a sense of what might happen in the future. Now, with mentoring programs, you know, it can be short, just you know, a few months, six months, say. What we probably aren't expecting in that time is for someone to get five publications out, just because of the timelines that research and publishing and those kinds of um, indicators of academic esteem work on different timelines to mentoring, obviously. So, on the on the programs that I've worked on, I've always asked people, you know, did this make a difference to your sense of belonging to the university? Did it make a difference to your confidence? Did it make a difference to the strategies and plans you've put into place? And then what we see is further down the line that we see the tangible benefits of that. So we might get the person who gets their fellowship. We might get the person who gets a different job, decides what career they want to move into, gets their publishing done, gets involved in the kind of outreach or um, public engagement work that they want to do. And it's the goals are personal to the individuals, but if we start with the, the support, the confidence and the planning, those more tangible or hard benefits will, will tend to come after that. And I think that's the key for me in so much of the development work that we do as researcher, academic people, whatever developers, um, is that, you know, sometimes because, because of the nature of HE and the kind of culture of the speed of it, the level of workload, there's a kind of desire for a quick fix. That is a kind of, okay, but I need something that's going to give me a very tangible, really clear output now. So, you know, I have it when people come to workshops, say, you know, we're on a workshop on writing your literature review, they kind of want to leave being able to sit down and write their literature review immediately afterwards, whereas it's not what we're dealing with is something more complex than that and more reflective that gets you to kind of work towards being able to do that and and I think I can really see that in what in what you're saying actually it's it's not going to give it's not necessarily going to give you that immediate kind of 
okay, you've had a meeting, here's a tangible thing that you can take away and, and you've got an output or you've got, you know, you've got something you can write on a CV or look at on a screen or hold in your hand or whatever it is. It's actually accepting that, that the benefit, the, the tangible or the kind of hard benefits, as you called them, of this tend to come in the long term rather than the short term. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a kind of a transformative process. And, you know, you might get a person coming into mentoring who's already got all the skills. They've got all of the ideas. They're ready to go. And all they need is somebody to say, yes, you can do it. You know, and then you get to see a very immediate benefit. But you might also get somebody coming into the same mentoring program who's just starting a journey and has got to figure out a lot, a lot of things. You know, they, it takes time to have ideas, to develop ideas, to uh, draft writing and to, to develop that writing. And I think we absolutely have to look where people come in and where they, where they finish mentoring programs, you know, the objectives that they set for themselves at the beginning, how far along did they get those? And some of that's in setting smart objectives, you know, um, is, is it about having 10, papers at the end of this program or is it about figuring out one good place to publish and really understanding what that journal is looking for we've got different different people coming in um at different stages of their thinking different stages of their understanding um and that's why we have to work at that individual level we have to make sure that the support that's received is tailored to where that person's at and where they want to go you know, so I, I know from myself when I've gone into mentoring, I've gone into it and gone, I know I need somebody to talk to, but I don't have any idea what I make me get. And that's, that's I would say that's most mentees I've worked with, you know. We don't all turn up going, here is my goal. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, I think yeah. something's wrong, but I'm not sure what it is, or I think something could be better, or I don't understand what's expected of me. And these are normal reactions to have at work, you know, it's, it's complex and figuring out different work relationships and figuring out, you know, what's possible for you um, and how you'd like to approach that is something that we all go through and a mentor can most definitely help with. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of this is, is, a, is an ecosystem. Yeah, it's the kind of the senior professors mentoring, the senior lecturers mentoring the kind of newer academics mentoring the postdocs mentoring the pgs you know it's a and who are mentoring each other so it is that kind of top down or bottom up whichever way you want to look at it ecosystem um and i wondered if you could talk a little bit about how that how that kind of looks and operates and the benefits of that kind of level of an engaged mentoring culture amongst academics yeah so i would say um how it looks you know, now is not how it looks when you start it. You don't have to do it all um, in the first instance. It's not a case of, you know, assembling 10,000 people and making a culture of mentoring on day three. It's um, it started. It started with 12 people, six pairs. Um, so uh, six academic volunteers and six postdocs is where it started. And I think if you focus at that point on making sure everybody has a good experience and making sure at the end of it, you understand what's made that a good experience and what the outcomes were, those people will then start to do the work for you. Because the postdocs will tell other people, this was great, get on board with it. You know, if I go back to the mentors and say, would you mentor for us again? And also, can you recommend a colleague? And we start to we start to double up. So there comes a time when people are experienced as mentors, say you, you've got your more senior academics, and they will come to you and start asking questions. You know, I want 
they might say i would like my um master's course to have a mentoring component with industry or they might say i want um all of my first years to do peer mentoring conversations with each other as a formative assessment before they get into their before they get into their summative assessments and you start to help with that and and put that in so you start to see that the mentors who've had a really good experience want more of it they're trying to bring it into their departments for say uh, new new academic starters on probation they're trying to bring it into their talk courses they're trying to bring it in with the people they supervise because they've had that good experience they can see the benefits um and then it's a case of saying you know we've got a lot of people now postdocs for example who've experienced having a mentor and why shouldn't they have the same skills? You know, why shouldn't they also be able to apply this? We've got all these PGRs. So again, starting small, recruiting, piloting, trying to understand what's going on, thinking what, what do PGRs need to get done? They need to get their thesis done. What have postdocs already done? They've written their thesis. So here we've got a hook to hang mentoring on. We say, you know, this is not just about generic career support or career mentoring, which I actually think PGRs are very well served for at most universities now, but saying what targeted thing can we achieve with mentoring here? So postdocs as thesis mentors was where I went next. Coming out of thesis mentoring, people were saying, I wish I'd had this earlier. I really wish I hadn't left it to the last six months of my PhD to have a mentor. Fantastic. So what can we do at an earlier stage? And I'm looking then at a confirmation review, which might call upgrade or first year vivas, that, that piece of written work students have to do in order to, to remain on their, their doctoral course. And then on the other side of that, recognizing that. So having a, a day a year, you know, um, there might be a, a national or international mentoring day or other events in the calendar for your university where you want to highlight all of the good stuff that's going on. So really championing that and saying, you know, we've had 100,000 mentoring conversations at the university in the last year, or um, these are all the different kinds of groups we've served. These are all the different kinds of outcomes we have and making sure that that's very visible and it's very seen across the university. Um, but all that grows over time. So, you know, pick your six pairs and start there and give them a good experience. And it proves itself and it will grow from there. That's yeah, I think really inspiring and and that the importance of kind of start small and let people appreciate the benefits and then that will in and of its in and of itself do the work for you. Yeah, absolutely. I was really interested in what you were saying there about the thesis mentoring because I think one of the things that I I find when I talk to PDRs is that is that as a mentor, they don't think they've got anything to offer, so they 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 sort of would love to have you know be a mentee and have a mentor who's either a more more experienced PG, senior PGR or an academic but they don't see in themselves what they have to offer as a mentor I find that really diff, really challenging sometimes because I think particularly with peer-to-peer -peer stuff one of the barriers that that certainly I feel that I have in the research community at Exeter is that they don't they don't they don't see the experience they have to offer yeah, and um, I, we know PGRs and that's incredible, isn't it? Because we see that the huge amount of value that they bring to universities. I mean, really smart people who've um, achieved throughout their academic careers, who've come into PhDs as like independent thinkers and scholars, very proactive people, very engaged people, very smart, that there's very definitely um, something people can, can offer there. But I think 
because mentoring and the skills of mentoring I talked about before, this very uh, person-centered philosophy, the skills don't rely on the mentor having all the answers. They rely on the mentor having the appropriate skills to question, to listen, to facilitate, and to support other people. And those are learned skills. That's not something you just have to have or don't have. So, you know, every mentoring program should come with some training for the mentors. And if you ask me, the mentees, but, um, you know, we, as, as program designers and program owners, we should definitely be preparing mentors, making sure they've got the skills, making sure they know how to, to apply them. And I think it's really empowering if you get away from this advice based model of mentoring where the mentor has all the answers, the mentee asks the question, the mentor gives the answer. Yeah, you know, some of that might take place, but that's only half the story. It's kind of like half mentoring um, that the skills of being able to say to somebody, what have you already tried, you know, and how has that gone? And what do you think you're going to do next? And really facilitating that mentee to think through the different issues that are going on and to have the power basically to go and make that change for themselves. Thanks so much to Kay for taking the time out of what I know is an incredibly busy schedule to talk to me about coaching and mentoring. We're thinking a lot about uh, peer mentoring in particular at Extra at the moment. So it was a really great to have the opportunity to talk to Kay in detail about how these things get off the ground and kind of how to kind of take that step back, start small, and let the impact of mentoring kind of do the work for you in growing it, but also really focusing on that idea that mentoring is not a knowledge base, it's a skill set. It's not about having all the answers, it's about helping ask the right questions. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe, and join me next time where I'll be talking to somebody else about researchers, development and everything in between. Thank you.